Welcome to this week's sermon audio from Covenant Presbyterian Church of Fort Smith. Covenant is a church devoted to theological depth, intimate relationships, joyous worship, relentless evangelism, and sacrificial service. Coming up, a sermon from our series, The Songs of Ascent. Here now is our pastor, Dr. John Clayton. Today, we're going in sequential order to the beginning looking at Psalm 120, that's Pew Bible, page 516. Hear now the reading of God's holy, inerrant, and inspired word. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and He answered me. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you, and what more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. Woe to me, I sojourn in Meshach, that I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's go to Him in prayer. Gracious God of of all grace, make Your Word a swift word, passing from ear to heart, from the heart to the lip, that as the rain returns not empty, so neither may Your Word, but accomplish that for which it is given. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. As we consider this psalm, I find it ironic that a psalm in which the psalmist declares, I am for peace, begins with distress and ends with war. (laughs) I mean, how can someone for peace live with those for war? Doesn't peacemaking foster peaceful living? And yet, we see that he's surrounded by what he says, those who hate peace. I mean, why dwell there? Who wants to be neighbors with haters? Where in the world does this man live? Don't you wonder that? Why not just move neighborhoods? (laughs) Don't live next door to the haters. Where does this man live? Right here. He lives right here where you and I live. Not in a progressively improving world, evolving upwards to peace, but a fallen world, plagued by Adam's curse and filled with strife. Yep, you know exactly where he lives. And this is where the psalmist lives, and he's he's telling us like it is. A realist describing, well, describing reality as he sees it, as he is experiencing it. And for this reason, if you look at this psalm honestly, you may say, well, it, it, sounds, it sounds a bit harsh. It sounds a bit discordant, perhaps even pessimistic. Well, when I read it, I wonder, because each of the songs of ascent were sung, literally sung on the pilgrimage to Jerusalem as they would make their way up to Mount Zion. I wonder, how in the world did they sing this marching upward to Zion? 
I mean, like a dirge? Well, maybe. Behind its seemingly rough veneer, we find what we find here is a refreshingly real, an authentic description of what it feels like to be inundated with deceit, the victim of lies, living amidst strife, crying out, Woe to me! Crying out, Deliver me, O Lord! But what we also hear is the confession of a faithful servant who embraces neither a victim mentality on the one hand or deterministic fatalism on the other. Instead, what we see from the very beginning is that he takes his distress and woes to the Lord in prayer. But what I want to start with is not prayer but the lies and deceit. I want to start with this blaze of deceit. Whoever said, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, lied. <laughs> words can hurt. Words especially of lying lips. Words especially of a deceitful tongue. And their consequence can be more than verbal. Think about this with me. Potiphar's wife maligned Joseph. And what happened? He was imprisoned. Jezebel slandered Naboth. And what happened to him? He was stoned to death. The Jews lied about Paul defining the temple. And what happened? Immediately arrested. Or if you think about church history. First century Christians called one another brother and sister. And they were falsely accused of incest. Early Christians were maligned for saying that the Lord's Supper is the body and blood of Christ. In fact, one Roman said, they're cannibals. Avoid those Christians. If you're a Christian and you have not been maligned for your faith, for taking a position on the foundation of Jesus Christ, in some way or some fashion, you're either a child or you just don't get out much. The likelihood of being maligned for your faith, you see, is high. Lies and deceit are common to the fallen human condition. And the primary means of lies and deceit through communication are what? Well, James uses the figurative term, the tongue. Here's the way he put it, as Greg read earlier. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. It is, that is the tongue, it is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. And while every mouth is capable of such venom, I want you to consider the lying lips and the deceitful tongue of the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world lies to us, and incidentally the lie, world lies about us. Our flesh tempts us to lie and to deceive others and the devil well, Jesus called him the father of lies, and he seeks to deceive us with lies, but he also seeks to tempt us to lie to others. 
The world, as it were, thrives on lies. Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 25, he said that the world exchanges the truth of God for what? A lie. That's right. The world exchanges the truth of God for a lie. And so convincing is this worldly misrepresentation that the historical fact of the fall in Genesis chapter 3 to most people sounds foreign. In fact, to some ears, it sounds offensive. One pastor puts it this way. We have been told the lie ever since we can remember. Human beings are basically nice and good. Everyone is born equal and innocent and self-sufficient. The world is a pleasant, harmless place. We are born free. If we are in chains now, it's, it is someone else's fault. And we can correct it with just a little more intelligence Effort or time. End quote. What continues to surprise me is how many intelligent people believe this lie, even with the historical evidence that is contrary to it. As a student of history, I have to tell you if history teaches us anything, it's that our species is a big mess. <laughs> but on goes the hope of self-improvement without the gospel. And the mantra of the good life apart from the cross of Christ. We hear it from our advertisers and our entertainers, from our media and academia, from our politicians and even so-called Christians. We are inundated with lies. And for those who don't buy the lie, and I hope that you don't buy the lie... For those who are in response, speak the truth, the world retaliates. The psalmist prays for deliverance, and he is likely praying for deliverance here from slander of those who oppose his faith, his obedience, and his witness. But if you are maligned or slandered for following the way, the truth, and the life, then it should come as no surprise, right? I mean, think about what Jesus said. He said, quote, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. But for some reason, many Christians, almost like in Thomas Jefferson fashion, cut verses out of their memory, and this seems to be one of them. And yet Jesus is quite clear. And think about it this way. If the world hates us, we should not be surprised then that lying lips and deceitful tongue are heard. Now, here's the temptation. And maybe I'm just speaking to myself, but I don't think I am. The temptation for many of us is to retaliate, lex talionis, right? To retaliate in like kind measure, the deadly poison of our lips and tongues. You know, when someone maligns you and you've just got that perfect zinger. <laughs> the sinful flesh, we are reminded remains in every single one of us on this side of the grave. And it is often on full display 
through what we say, or today through what we post, or tweet, or message. I'm amazed, candidly, how powerful and how brave people are on the other side of a keyboard. I made a statement, I think it was nine years ago, as the pastor of this church, that marriage is between one man and one woman before God forever. And I was amazed at the attacks that I received on the other side of the keyboard, people that would never walk up to me and say the things that they said face to face. But the reality is, is I'm tempted to do the same, right? And I'm not going to go on a soapbox rampage about why you should all delete your social media accounts. I just think you shouldn't post. (laughs) But the point is, is that we're so tempted. and, And James says, here's the problem. He says, we bless our Lord and Father with the very same tongue that we do what? That we curse Other people who are made in the likeness of God. He goes on and says, From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. And my brothers and sisters, these things ought not to be so. Indeed, it should never be so for the one who is named Christian. For those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified, Paul says in Galatians. We have been crucified from the flesh with its passions and desires. And so, what does a crucified flesh look like? Well, what does it look like when we face slander? What does a crucified flesh look like when we face strife in this world? It looks like Jesus. It looks like our Lord. In fact, the Apostle Peter said when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered... He did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Rather than unleashing this restless tongue of mine, rather than biting back with the tongue, I should, as we were all taught as children, I should bite my tongue, right? Bite my tongue and remember our Lord's command. Jesus said, love your enemies Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. When we allow our flesh, when I allow my flesh to have its way, striking with the venom of the tongue, what we forget is just as we have enemies, you and I, according to Romans chapter 5, you and I were once enemies of God. Think about that. Just as you and I have enemies in this world, you and I, apart from Christ, were once enemies of God. And just as God's kindness led you and me to repentance so God can use these conquered lips and a spirit-filled tongue to show kindness leading others to Christ Jesus. Ultimately, though, our chief adversary is the devil. The father of lies, as Jesus called him. And he is literally the embodiment of lying lips and a deceitful tongue. One commentator notes, when the world isn't lying to you or about you, you can be certain that Satan is. Now, disguised as an angel of light, as Paul describes him, his malevolent work 
is on full display in this present darkness. For those who have eyes to see, as Jesus put it. The Apostle Peter says that the the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And his primary method of prowling is deceiving. Finding plenty, I might add, of gullible prey. What lies is he telling? Well, I could just go row to row and just ask, just give me a few lies that you think that the devil is telling in the world in which we live, we'd be here for hours. He is a liar, and he saturates the world with his lies. But as I thought about it, there are just several that are just the low-hanging fruit of that liar. One lie. God neither made you nor loves you. Another lie. Look out for yourself and leave your neighbor alone. Another lie, God is neither sovereign nor caring if He exists at all. What the world needs, humankind can achieve. Or, the one that I think is one of the greatest lies He tells, I am the captain of my own soul. (laughs) Sound familiar? Of course, we know that the devil is a liar. And we hear his lies all the time. But how do we respond? Well, I I don't suggest the Martin Luther approach. Yelling in an empty room. Right? I mean, you could do that if you want to. But I think it's a little weird. We fight against the devil's lies with the word of truth. The word of truth. According to God's word, the truth is, is that God made you and loves you. The truth is that God made your neighbor and called you to love your neighbor like God does. The truth is, is that He is indeed sovereign over His creation and He provides for His creation down to the most minute detail. The truth is is that we're all sinners and unable to save ourselves from ultimate destruction. The truth is, is that we were Created to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And that is only possible except through faith in Jesus Christ. And all these truths that I have summarized here for you come from the Word of Truth. We need to know the Word of Truth in order to use it. And so the world, the flesh, and the devil may lie to us and they may lie about us. But God's truth will prevail. We are not victims. His justice will prevail. And the psalmist states this truth here. Look at verse 3 with me. What shall be given to you? And what more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. (laughs) You're thinking, what? What in the world's a broom tree? What's this have to do with anything? Well... This language sounds foreign to us, but actually the sentiment is not foreign to us. He prays that God will judge those lying lips and deceitful tongue. That's what he prays for. God, judge the liar. Judge those who deceive. The broom tree in ancient culture, scholars tell us, produced the best hot coals. You see where this is going, right? The broom tree was used and it made the best charcoal. And the coals would produce a very hot 
fire. And the arrows, the arrows were sharpened for battle. And then the arrows would be placed in those burning coals. And so, lying lips, a deceitful tongue, are deserving of flaming arrows of judgment. Yeah! But not from you. And not from me. We're not the ones who shoot arrows at anybody. The psalmist is not a vigilante. The psalmist does not retaliate. He leaves it to God who is the ultimate judge. See Psalm 50. John Calvin advises, It is not enough for the faithful to abstain from hurting others. They must, moreover, study to allure them by gentleness and to bend them to goodwill. Should their moderation and kindness be rejected, let them wait in patience until God at length shows Himself from heaven as their protector. You and I would do well to teach our lips, to teach our tongue what Paul counsels in Romans chapter 12. Never avenge ourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And so what the deceitful tongue, what the lying lips, what they deserve, and we do indeed pray for God's justice, what they deserve, we leave to the Lord. Now believing in truth, living the truth, even telling the truth, however, does not guarantee a strife-free life. It's like I've said before, is if someone told you when you became a Christian, congratulations, all your problems have gone away. Now you're just going to live this happy, strife-free life. I mean, that, that's a lie from the pit of hell. That's not how it works at all. In fact, you can just be an elementary student of the Bible and know that Jesus teaches the opposite. Sometimes in the providence of God, our neighborhood is Meshach. Sometimes we live on the street of Kedar. We who serve the Prince of Peace, who believe the gospel of peace, who are called to live at peace, and I might add, the scripture says, with everyone as far as it is up to us, sometimes we find ourselves surrounded by neighbors who hate the Lord who oppose His gospel and hate us because we trust the Lord and we believe what He says. And so the question is, and this should be the question as we look at it in the second half of the psalm, how do we live there? If this is the world in which we live, how do we live in Meshach and Kedar? Meshach, named after the son of Japheth, was in the northwest, part, northwest of Israel, outside of Israel, to the northwest, it's modern day Turkey. Kedar is named after the son of Ishmael, and it was to the southeast, where modern Saudi Arabia is. In short, and this is why I'm pulling this out, not just for this really cool map I just painted for you, right? Not just that, but also to show you that Meshach and Kedar... They ain't in the same neighborhood. They're not even close. They are northwest and southeast. For those of you who are directionally challenged, that's the opposite, right? Why then is he using these as examples? Because both are Gentile lands. They are foreign to the people of God. 
They are a people who hate the Lord, oppose His truth, and hate the people of God when the psalmist is writing this psalm. They are hostile to Israel. And the psalmist, wherever he is, and we don't know where he is, but he's probably in Israel, and at this time, he feels like that he's living in Meshach and Kedar. He feels like that people are hostile and they're opposed to his God. Sound familiar? I mean, just in my lifetime, we have seen a cultural shift, even in this country, a cultural shift in which those who profess faith in Christ, we are the ones who are dangerous, right? Maybe we are dangerous. (laughs) I'm loaded with the gospel, right? (laughs) The psalmist feels like that he's living in a world that's characterized by those who hate the Lord. Since you and I, all who have been justified by faith, we have peace with God, Scripture says, through our Lord Jesus Christ. But peace with God puts us at odds with a world that is in rebellion against Him. This should not be a surprise. In fact, James says that friendship the world with the world is enmity with God. And so if you think about it, just logically, the converse would be true, right? Friendship with God is enmity with the world. This is why that Meshach and Kedar were not home for the psalmist. And it's why they're not home for you and me either. I love the way C.S. Lewis explains this. He says insightfully, If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is we were made for another world. Let that sink in. If peace in this world seems so elusive to you, remember That the perfect, never-ending peace we desire awaits us. Not in this earthly kingdom, but in the heavenly. Until then, until then. It's like Jeremiah writing to the exiles who were in Babylon. Until then, you and I, we are sojourners. We are exiles, just like Peter describes us. And we're sojourning in Meshach. And we're dwelling among the tents of Kedar. But not forever. Now, I want to conclude with a practical question. And the practical question is a how question. How do you live? How do I live day to day? Day in and day out in a world of lies and deceit. A world that is awaiting judgment. That hates the peace of God. And hates you For believing in Him. How do we live every day pursuing peace and seeking the welfare of other people? As Jeremiah wrote through the exiles, seek the welfare of the city in which you live. How do we pursue peace among people who hate our Lord? And the answer is found at the beginning, not the end of this psalm. Look at verse 1. In my distress, I called to the Lord And He answered me. The life of peace on earth is by prayer. The life of peace on earth is by prayer. When you and I feel wounded 
by lies and deceit. Prayer directs our focus off of ourselves and directs it to the Lord. From self-pity to God's glory. Obsessing over lies and deceit. Let me just tell you what that does. It breeds bitterness. And you will grow to be a bitter person who can't be at peace with others, who don't love others, and you just carry it with you like a backpack. Your backpack of bitterness, as I call it. But prayer fosters forgiveness. Prayer for others fosters forgiveness. The truth is, your flesh and my flesh is no help in our battle with the world, the flesh, and the devil. What we need, prayer provides. Supernatural strength. Guiding grace. Surely this is what Paul meant when he said, pray without ceasing. An ongoing prayerful dependence upon the Lord's provision. Surely this is what Paul meant when he commanded, put on the whole armor of God. Oftentimes we go through that passage of Scripture looking at each one of the points that Paul makes like it's a laundry list. Well, I got to, where's that sword go and the breastplate? And I'm confused. I'm not a Roman soldier. But we miss the point that at the conclusion of that list of the armor, Paul says this praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. You see, sometimes we really do cry out, Woe is me under the weight of the world. But sometimes our woes are great because we have not, because we ask not. And so, brothers and sisters in Christ, let us pray for peace. Let us pray for peace with our neighbor. Let us pray for peace between our neighbor and our God. Let us pray that the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. And so let's pray. Our gracious God in heaven, you know so well that it is our tendency. It is our flesh that pokes its ugly head up. And when we confront, are confronted by lies and deceit, especially if those lies are about us, that we want to strike back. We want to treat the world as our enemy. And yet, how gracious you have been to us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We ask that you would teach us to be mindful of the gospel. May we preach the gospel to ourselves every day. And may we be a people of prayer. Not building our laundry less, but crying out, Woe to me! Deliver me, O Lord! May you be exalted through your people and through our prayers. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. We hope you have grown in your knowledge of and love for God. Covenant Presbyterian is a PCA church that meets for worship on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. 
Our address is 120 North 9th Street in historic downtown Fort Smith, Arkansas. For more information about Covenant, visit our website at www.cpcfs.org.